Hi, I'm Tom. I'm Justin. I'm Frank. And, and we're the Black Lads. How's it going, guys? Not great. It's no, not great at all. Not doing well at all. I'm very depressed. Bad across uh, how, the board. I'm. No, keep how, going. How are you doing, Frank? I. You know what's funny? Uh, I'm I'm unemployed, and uh, my unemployment was delayed because uh, my former employer, both of your current employers. Uh, decided to make a little bit of a dispute on the claim, uh, which was fun. So I have to wait another week, and I've I've been unemployed for about five weeks to collect. So that that's cool. That's that's a an actual, real life grown up sized bummer. Yeah. yeah, and it's really hard for us to make light of that. <laughs> uh, and I really want to let me give it a shot. <laughs> you know, you know what's funny though is. My my mood has markedly improved since uh, uh, not coming back to work there. Oh, it's it's the frown factory. It's uh, it's, oh yeah, it's the worst place in the world. There's a new group of young kids, literal children, and it, on the one hand, it really feels like a late season cast change, a la a Saved by the Bell. Yeah, and I, and I look at them and I think this is a wonderful group of people. But just like one of those new casts, they're going nowhere. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's 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 Scrubs Med School over there right now. And yeah. uh, oh god, I forgot about that. We all did. Uh, that was viewing not me. Not me. Never forget that. That was Justin's favorite season of Scrubs. <laughs> I really enjoyed the part where uh, uh, Sarah Chalk wasn't on it for no reason. Um, so yeah, they're. <laughs> They're high school kids, and it's a stone bummer because, uh, uh, are we using real names in this? I'm no. not. Let's, let's use let's... fake names. And Ooh. should we, should we mention the employer or no? I don't want to get sued. It's a, um, bookstore. You that know. narrows it down to one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. But they're high school kids. And as Gladys remarked, we have the job of high school children now. And it's uh doesn't make Tom feel good about himself. What days are you gentlemen even working now? Sunday. Monday. Tuesday. Happy days. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh teenagers on the squad. Uh, and I guess for the benefit of our listeners, uh when this podcast began, quote unquote, 2 months ago, the three of us were all employed at the same place. Uh, and now that is not true for one of the three. It's it's Frank. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> uh, so so Frank has been uh, doing the unemployment thing. And what's going on with you, Justin? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've been discovering some stuff about my mental health. Things that 
worry me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving I, our fearless Let's go approach full here. Mark Maron here, Justin. <laughs> so who were your guys? <laughs> I watched six episodes of the television program Glow. Oh, he's good on that. He is good on that until, but then after six episodes, I don't do this. I never do this. I finish things. I start well, like media that I consume. <laughs> um, and I was like, "What? I don't care to continue on with this." Oh, I think it's a good show. I think it's a, it's a bad show. Mm. In in the sense that mm. it doesn't know to know how to handle its um, uh, screen time. It whereas other shows like in Orange is the New Black, um, which is a bad show. Oh, no, the first the, I've I've only seen the first three seasons. The third season is bad. The first two are great. Affirmative. Tom agrees with me. Mm. Affirmative on both counts. Uh, the first two seasons, uh, uh are amazing, and uh, I wish the show would have ended there. And if, I even uh, say if it could be boiled down into like a little mini series, it's the perfect little thing. And uh, then it turns into a garbage fire, and then they decide to fix it by upping the emotional stakes, which kind of works. And then I was so burned out, I never watched season five. And now yeah, I understand the, uh, uh, it's been on the, for 20 years. They messed up the police brutality stuff pretty bad. Mm. I think all police brutality is messed up, Frank. So not when I do it. Oh, Frank, when are you becoming a cop? You got the the the, the head for it. I do, I do. I have so the Irish you, American cop head. If you can't see it at home, uh, Frank looks like a cop. I do. <laughs> I look like a police officer. He looks like a cop who's been on been on the job for about like uh, like fifteen years. You know what I mean? Too long. Fifteen years too long. <laughs> like the, hang uh, on. <laughs> the police academy fitness Hang uh, on. burst has worn off. Uh, I don't look like Donald Logue. <laughs> we're, we're 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 getting into Donald Logue territory here, boys. And I think, I think, if we're talking specifically about a Donald Logue-looking gentleman, <laughs> there might be one person in this trifecta who maybe fits that bill a little bit better and I'm pointing, but you can't see that I'm pointing. <laughs> hey, I take it as a compliment. I loved his work on Grounded for Life and uh You didn't even say Steve. Terriers. You didn't even say Terriers. I've, I've not seen Terriers. It's an excellent show. I like them in The Patriot. I once had a fever dream, a literal fever dream where I woke up sweating. That dream was about me having watched the one season show, The Black Donnellys. Oh, I wow. I have never seen that show. It was canceled 10 years ago. It was canceled right I, away, too. Yeah. But I woke up and I was like, I'm going to, it's a sign. I need to watch that show. I have not watched that show. You shouldn't. But it's got uh, um, Olivia Wilde and the boondock saints i don't know <laughs> i don't think it has the boondock saints pretty sure it's got the boondock saints and ron jeremy's in there <laughs> so so irish stuff D justin didn't you recently find out that you're even more of a mick than you had previously thought i'm more irish than i had previously thought 
Oh, wow, you can say Mick now. So previously, it was just me and Tom. Oh, I've been Irish this whole time, baby. I just oh, got a shillelagh. Totara? Totara's Irish? Um, oh, my mother's maiden name is Flanagan. There we go. You know, like Raymore and Flanagan. Yeah. In the merry month of June, from me home, I started left the girls of tomb. It's a well-documented fact that Justin is way Irisher than I am. Uh, this- he's way Irisher than I am an actual Irishman, even though I'm not. He's uh, way more into the culture. Oh, I don't even uh, know any Irish songs or culture. I definitely I- can't do the spontaneous um, burst into song that you just did, my friend. That's what I, I uh, that's how I was conceived. Uh, I, uh, drunken Irishman in the middle of, uh, Beating his wife. Wow. <laughs> broke out into song and I popped out of his mouth. We're going to get a letter from the Irish Anti-Defamation League. Ah! They just legalized abortion. Over the- Let's save that for politics. We're, that's going to be a good segue in about two minutes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get a letter from the Anti-Defamation League of Ireland. Uh, it's going to be a letter bomb because that's the IRA. There we go. Dark. This is an edgy show. Uh, so, you guys, you never asked what's going on with me, Tom. What what's going, going on with you, Tom? Tom, with Tom? Wait, wait, one, two, three. What's, what's going, going on, on with, with you, Tom? Tom? I'm going to sample that and use it as a, a transition jingle. Uh, so, Tom has been very busy. Uh, uh, Tom is a musician who speaks of himself in the third person. And I just finished and released a full-length album. And... Uh, now I'm about to play some shows, and it's been hectic, and enjoyable, and stressful. And I'm uh, 29 years old, and I'm uh, playing in the first round of like actual gigs in our local city of Philadelphia. And uh, it really feels like I have made terrible life choices <laughs> to be starting off at this moment at my age trying to win them over and wear them down. Well, that's no way to go into this. You're going to knock them out of the park. You're going to drown them into the river. Second thing, no. First thing, yes. Okay. Uh, You're going to expand in a burst of flaming... uh, uh, Come on, you got to bring it home. Justin. 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 I think I made my point. All right. So moving on to politics. What do plaid lads oh, like to God. talk about more? Insert politics jingle here. It's the week of September something if. And, and stuff, stuff has happened. happened. Brett Kavanaugh. What do we think? Oh, Brett God. Kavanaugh. Uh, <laughs> so we're we're all in agreement here. We're we're for the guy. Yeah, pro. I'm not. <laughs> um, uh, this thing with the the lady. Uh, he did. He totally did it, right? Oh like, yeah, no one one billion percent. Like, that he is, totally did it. It's the uh, truest thing I've ever heard. Because all of these people are freaks who you know in their spare time do like yellow king shit from true detective um and this was just his way of starting out right 
Like, yeah. So he's he's getting up to worse stuff now for sure. Like somebody has a tape. I I think he's uh he's definitely a member of the club from Eyes Wide Shut. Oh like, yeah. He's definitely uh but less gone consensual to- than what they had going on. And more murder. Yeah. Um, Tom Cruise. No, he he totally did it. Um, and he's probably not the first Supreme Court nominee or Supreme Court ever. Clarence Thomas, also yeah. a rapist. We knew about that one, and here it is happening again. Yeah, uh, no, like the giant said, it is happening again. Twin Peaks reference. Oh, the fireman. We got to call him the fireman now. And now uh, you you have people in the democratic party wanting to do the fbi investigation to hold up the uh uh the senate vote uh you got the republicans saying that she can come speak on capitol hill and then i think i heard somebody today uh saying that oh yes yes have her for the first time in public in front of most of uh the senior legislative uh branch of the house who are probably all also rapists yeah uh you could just uh, assume and uh, have her recall what happened to her, uh, this terrible thing uh, uh, with television cameras speaking to the national government uh, over something of fantastic importance. Yeah, let's, let's have that be the uh, venue for uh, this uh, being aired for the first time. Uh, by the way, a former law clerk for uh, the late and not lamented Antonin Scalia... Uh, a guy by the name of Ed Wheeland, who I think makes his salary almost entirely now in like conservative dark money and slush funds and shit like that, uh, has taken to Twitter today to do a, a massive tweet thread uh, conspiracy theorizing the whole Brett Kavanaugh thing. And the crux of his conspiracy theory is that there is a Brett Kavanaugh doppelganger from when they went to high school. I'm talking about Twin Peaks. <laughs> Uh, so I'm I'm gonna bring this up to my screen to show it to you to see if it's okay. visible. But like this is the photo, a little tear. Oh wow, that's <laughs> see that's what I feel like every uh, uh, teenage uh, boy yupp- from the yuppie 80s. spawn looked like, like wealthy white wasps. The, oh, no, he's not a wasp. The... I think he's Catholic. So retract wow. that. Well, you know how the Catholics feel about rape. Yeah. And repressing uh, allegations. <laughs> Speaking of Ireland. Ugh. Oh, boy. Or Pennsylvania, for that matter. Justin looks despondent. This is all <laughs> very hopeless. Look, he's going to get confirmed. Yep. Um, all they need is a, a split decision majority, which they would now have to repeal Roe versus Wade. Uh, we're gonna go back to dystopic back alley abortions, and uh, Handmaid's Tale shit's gonna be real. Why are we worried? <laughs> yeah, we're men. Yeah, we're. This affects none of us. Uh, but seriously, folks, this is bad, and we should be terrified all the time. Don't worry, we are. Uh, yeah. well, they'll send it back to the states. To decide, which means a lot of people are going to be really screwed out in the middle, and they yeah. already kind of are because they've they've skirted this, they've legislated around this ruling for decades now. They've made it all but illegal 
In oh yeah, states. they they've been doing everything they can, putting provisions in everywhere to to basically make it illegal without it being technically illegal. You know, they haven't actually overturned the established law, but they've made it in, indescribably difficult for it to actually occur. So, <laughs> well, we live in a great country, guys. Do you know that? We should specify we live in the United States. The United States of America. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a great country that's uh shouldn't at all be abolished or nuked um or subsumed by floodwater. Uh well, whichever comes first or taken over by robots when the AI I like becomes I, sentient. Oh, I, I feel like all of this is happening. All of those are happening. That's the funny thing. I think I've talked about this before, but like all of the possible uh, apocalypse scenarios, they're literally like happening at once. It's awesome. Guys, calm down. Because you know why? Because Joe Biden is going oh, to run fuck. with Bloomberg as his running mate. Oh, fuck, he is, yeah. And uh, it's going to be the most safe, centrist thing. And if we meet the Republicans already in the middle, then they'll have no choice but to stop pulling us to the right. And everything will work out. If we just talk to them politely, and we just and then, try to bridge that uh, divide. Uh, excuse, excuse me, sir. Uh, oh, you please? seem to be. <laughs> you seem to be uh, ruining everything, uh, sir. Have you no decency? So what sir. we can't see is uh, Justin furiously <laughs> masturbating. <laughs> well, that uh, we we never see that. <laughs> But we don't see uh, how he is uh, now in uh, crisis, uh, crisis line territory. Things can be good. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this episode is so fun and cheery and light. Uh, we have like a whole Elvis Costello album to talk about. I can't wait. We've got like three and a half more minutes of this though and a great movie to talk about so or we could shift right now no no lay it on me <laughs> no let's keep going let's fucking go let's do this what else is in politics what else is in politics hey guys do you know who the president is <laughs> is it uh isn't it john Kasich? yeah yeah john Kasich is president oh thank you actually God. to let's be clear any Republican president in its current incarnation, they all would have been bad. They all would have been doing similar stuff. It's true. The policy stuff would all be the same. The only thing that would be different would be the existential dread of him uh, provoking uh, uh, nuclear annihilation at a whim. Which, that, for whatever reason, like, he didn't fix it, but somebody did. And it's not entirely fixed yet, which is funny. It's just less immediately terrifying right now. Because, like, we began the year, I don't know if you guys remember this, because it feels like it happened a thousand years ago. We began the year with him comparing his penis size to the size of a nuclear button. That happened, like, January 3rd. Guys, do you know how that comparison popped into his brain? They're like, sir, we only do this if a crisis is imminent. I just want to see the button. I'm saying he actually held his penis up to the button. So, did you guys see the the speaking more of politics and the president's penis? Um, you guys were all made aware of the the Stormy Daniels 
quote Star from the book, right? Starmy who? Oh, the toadstool? Yeah, no, toad from Mario Kart. Toad is what from she compared Mario his Kart. penis to. Justin, are you are you did you know that? Here we go. No. <laughs> well, let me pull up the quote, Justin. Justin? Justin. <laughs> Justin. Please whimper into the microphone so they can hear it at home. Justin. Uh, she describes Trump pe- Trump's penis as smaller than average, but not freakishly small. Points in his favor. <laughs> he knows he has an unusual penis, Daniels writes. It has a huge mushroom head like a toadstool. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I... I lay there annoyed that I was getting fucked by a guy with yeti pubes and a dick like the mushroom character in Mario Kart. Sorry, Toad. I I edited that. Sorry, Toad. She doesn't know who Toad is because she couldn't name him. Uh, well, um... Politics, ladies and gentlemen. It's... Uh, here's what it is. Here's what the situation... So here's what the fucking situation is. Fuck everything. Fuck everything. I'm <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> well, you've just got a, your soundbite. Everything about this uh, guy, this uh, person, uh, Donald Trump. The current president of the United is States. Like it's like a bunch of fat guys trying to go through the door at the same time. So, so nothing's coming out of there. Nothing is coming out of there. It's just a stasis of a bunch of wheezing fat men stuck in a door frame, and nobody is every everybody's just so disgusted by it by the sight of the sweaty, fat, disgusting mess that they don't want to touch it. Go off, King. They, they're, Go they're, off. <sighs> Go off, King. It gets the sad out. I want my mommy. <laughs> you are just full. You are filling the soundboard for months to come. And oh, with yeah. that, this can go into the theme song. Dun 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 dun. It's time for the movie segment, guys. Plaid lads. So, plaid lads love talking politics. Plaid lads go to the go to the movies. So, Plaid Lads also love uh, Criterion movies. So, the uh, movie that everybody wasted their money on this week uh, <laughs> is a little uh, film by uh, a directing uh, guy named... Uh, directing guy. A directing yes. guy named uh, Jim Jarmish, and the movie was called Mystery Train. Mystery Train, Jarmish's first foray into the... Color film world. That's correct. His third major film. I think it's his third film in general. Now he had technically there was permanent vacation. Oh yeah, and then and then Stranger Than Paradise. Mm-hmm. Then Down by Law. Yeah. This is uh. This is uh. In a sense, his first anthology film, something that he returns to often in his uh, in his uh, filmography. Though I make arguments that Stranger Than Paradise is his first anthology film, even though that, it's all that's a valid argument. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's constructed in vignette. 
Yes. And yes. and and didn't you tell me that uh, the first segment uh, was originally a standalone short film? Of of uh, Stranger Than Paradise. Yes. So uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of it kind of is mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. And wasn't his next film Night on Earth after uh, Mystery after Train? Mystery Train? I want to say yes. After Mystery Train, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which was just a straight up anthology. No, I wouldn't say that. That I, I, his. Hmm. It's a little bit worse than Mystery Train. Oh, I. But I, I love it. I, I, it's. I think find it very charming. Shots fired. Uh, yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the question of the evening. Uh, Joe Strummer, can he act? I say yes. Justin and I have fought about this a couple of times. I say yes. I, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. He had less <coughs> of a career. So. There's Tom Waits, who is, I think, the king of musician actors, meaning he fully is a musician. I'll go he, along with that. He, he has had roles in films that he's good in, but he is not a... He's in this movie. A Frank Sinatra or Justin Timberlake, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. They can act. They have acting careers. Um, so he's not as good as a Tom Waits. I would say, even though he has less of uh, a filmography, he's better than Iggy Pop. Has Iggy Pop ever pretended to be somebody who's not Iggy Pop? He uh, had a recurring role on uh, The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Um, I don't know. Maybe his character in Dead Man could conceivably be seen as him not being Iggy Pop, only because he's wearing a dress the whole time. Oh yeah, that's a great scene. Yeah, that is a great scene. I forgot about that. Also by Jim Jarmusch. Go see Dead mm-hmm. Man. That sounds like a good one. I'll have to watch it, it is a good one. I I maintain that that is his that is his least Jarmushy movie. It's a great movie. It's great. It's great. It's great. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it might be but his best movie, which is weird because it is. I in it. <sighs> In a sense, I agree with you because, um, because more than any of his other films, it hits on a theme. <laughs> it has like a, a strong theme of just gun violence. Oh yeah, um, and uh, and its inherent uh, um, uh, uh, to, thing to uh, America and the violence is, of America, the violence mm-hmm. it inflicts on everybody. Yeah. That being said, I think that's what makes it feel weird for uh, a Jarmish movie. Um, we still talking about Mystery Train? No, we're not talking we're about not that. Yet. So let's start talking about Mystery Train. How great yeah. is this goddamn movie? It's amazing. It's yeah. so great. Uh, one thing, uh, uh, the tragic. It's a beautiful. Oh, it's fucking fantastic uh, yeah. segment. Yeah. With the uh, wife of uh, Roberto Benini from now, is this is this the wife of Roberto Benini from Down by Law? What do we think, lads? Now, now, I think so. I I think so as well, and I I love that idea. Jarmish has not confirmed that. What he has confirmed is that Tom waits as the radio DJ, DJ's. the radio yeah. jockey, <laughs> is is Zach from Down, Down by, by Law. Law. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I think it is Roberto Benini's character in that coffin. Mm-hmm. So you know he's actually in there. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a, I would hope so because Roberto Benini, outside of his Jim Jarmusch movies, is terrible. 
I hate to be I hate to be so um mainstream, but um uh life is beautiful. Is one of the worst movies ever made. What? It's abominable. Let's talk about mystery train and then we can talk about this. You are a monster. I think you guys should have this out real quick. I, I'm not the person who I'm not the if I'm a monster. I didn't make a movie about how we should tell kids who are in concentration camps that they're not going to the ovens. Listen, uh, so I'm are not you... sure what the last time you were in a concentration camp was. Uh, I didn't think <laughs> it is about film. the love of a father for his child in the in the face of of incredible adversity of 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 the darkness of the human soul right. of 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 a good man trying to protect his child from an uncaring world. It is what we need. <laughs> it's the only Shallad. movie about the Holocaust that's supposed to make you smile. It is. It does. It makes you smile, and then it makes you weep. Didn't didn't Mel Brooks make a Jerry Holocaust Lewis. movie? Jerry Lewis. Jerry the day Lewis. The clown That's cried. What, which can we it, see it in Hollywood? Let's see it. He he has a provision in his will that ten years after his death, the day the clown cried will be released. He's been dead now for I think two years, maybe a year and a half. Let's see it. I don't care. He's dead. I, I'm ready to laugh. I'm ready to go. Yeah, See, that's the thing, though. Like, there are um, what's such a big deal about that? There are a lot of fucked up movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but life is beautiful is bad. Uh, anyway, Mystery Train. I just want to put a heartless I, man. I want to put an editor's note here that uh, uh, I don't think life is beautiful was meant to be a didactic uh tale on what to do if should you find yourself in a concentration camp. <laughs> Uh, it's like I, Amelie set in the Holocaust. <laughs> that's a bad thing. That's a bad um, thing you just said. <laughs> Mystery train. Mystery train. Train I now, ride. I maintain uh-huh. that the first segment, yeah, I believe, is the finest thing in the Jarmish canon. I adore the first segment. It's it's perfect. Yeah. Refresh my memory. That's the uh, young Japanese couple. Okay, yeah. I have one problem with this, and I've brought this up before, is that I am not a fan of the sex scene in that. Everything else really? about it is beautiful. No, I really, I feel like it got a little Skinamax. Uh, it was it's a little, very brief. It is very brief, but I feel like it was still too long. It's brief, but they go back to it twice. Or once, rather. They go back to it during the the Italian widow story where they, she actually hears it from the next room. Um, that's fine. That's fine. I just, I, there's one shot I really didn't like, which was the close up, and, uh, the guy starts, uh, like going to town. Boobies. He's, uh, he's having, like, it's, it felt gratuitous, um, especially given how young these two were supposed to be. Yeah, they were, I keep forgetting that they're supposed to be, like, having just turned 18. Yeah, which reminds me of like the coolest thing ever, where he's just standing by the window smoking. Yeah, and she's like, "What are you thinking?" He's like, "How I cool is this?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's cool being in Nashville. It's cool being eighteen. It's amazing. It's yeah, fucking beautiful. It's great, and I I want to light a Zippo the way that he lights a Zippo. Mm. It's pretty rad. Uh, <laughs> one thing I'll say about the sex scene, and I think. 
part of it is is the it, uh, perceived you, gratuitousness. You re rewatched it several times to yes. uh, come Absolutely. to this conclusion. Should we, expl- should we explain the plot? Nah. No. Oh well. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Let's let's explain the plot of each segment as we're discussing. So the first segment is uh, a young Japanese couple, a young like rocker, and his uh, his girlfriend. He's a little uh, bit of a fuckboy. Yes. Yeah. He's he's super cool. Where she's <coughs> much more. She's cool uh, in a different way. Yes. She has that, a shirt. I, she has a jacket on it, a leather jacket that says Mister Baby. Yes. <laughs> She's she's more friendly. She's more uh, gregarious. She actually learns a bit of English and kind of navigates them around. Where he's just standing there like a and, and she's like kind of the POV turd. character of the segment. Yeah, yeah. she Don't loves Elvis. He prefers Carl Perkins. Yes, because he's a fuckboy. Yeah. Um, and it's oh, it's just it's them going around. It's a lot of my favorite thing in the world. Just uh. A shot of people walking down the street. Oh yeah, that Jim Jarmusch does so beautifully. They run into, I believe, in this segment, uh, the first uh, taste of crossovers. I think they walk past the dentist character played by Steve Buscemi, uh, Barber, Barber character, Barber, and they also yeah. walk past um, Will Robinson, uh, the black guy who hangs out with uh, Joe mm-hmm. Strummer and Steve Buscemi, uh, trying to fix his car. Yes. And the callback is later in the, the liquor store scene mm-hmm. with his car. Um, but they, it ends up with them in their hotel, um, the center building. Ho- hotel clerks played by mm-hmm. um, uh, Spike uh, Lee's younger brother, Sink Lee. Mm-hmm. And, and uh Screamin' Jay Hawkins. Is that correct? Screamin' Jay Hawkins, yeah. And they're yes. both very good in this movie. Great. They're great. And and you hear um uh a uh, disc jockey played by Tom Waits. Um which we'll hear later on in each segment. The sa- crucially the same broadcast. Yes. And and then I think sort of the the the, the nail through all seven boards or four boards or five boards however many segments there are is the gunshot yes that binds it all together and and for them it's just sort of atmosphere it's them just right. sort of oh we're in america you know like they yeah. shoot guns here um but the, the the thing i wanted to say is that the the thing that i think feels weird about the sex scene in jim jarmusch canon is your pants um is uh the fact that it, Jim Jarmusch makes a um, a grown up fairy tales. Yes, all of his uh, films are set in a a world that is just cool. And and seeing a naked breast, <laughs> uh, kind of kind of shakes you out of the fantasy. Uh, because I'm a gay man, <laughs> breasts. Uh, <laughs> mean nothing to me uh yeah i I can kind of see that i can kind of see that because yeah fairy tale is the word because uh one thing like when you watch it uh especially the really early jarmish movies all jarmish movies is like you keep waiting well me being an idiot you keep waiting for like the reality shoe to drop 
Mm-hmm. You keep like uh, watching, uh, watching Stranger Than Paradise. You keep expecting uh, Eddie to make a really inappropriate move on Ava, but it's never going to happen. It's not going to happen in a million years because this is Jarmish land, and uh, he's 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 not even going to be a gentleman. He's just he's just it's not even in their brains. Um, so seeing and like I saw, I just watched a. Um, uh, last lovers left alive and uh uh you know th- there was like a brief nudity thing with uh tilda swinton and uh hiddleston but like it was kind of like atmospheric it was just showing them like cuddling and love it wasn't it wasn't him horking on a <laughs> like the david bowie video for uh black star or whatever it was there's a there's one nudity thing in Broken flowers. I don't know if you guys remember oh, yes. that. I have it right now, and I'm gonna watch it soon. Yeah, it's a it's a great movie. There is one nudity thing where He's Bill Murray's Bill character Murray. is greeted at the door uh, by a topless eighteen yes. uh, year old. Yuck. Yeah, but I mean that's the kind of that's the point of the scene. Yeah. So I think that's why. Yeah. The, Who I believe is is named Lolita in yes. the script. Little on the nose, don't you think? Yeah. Um, what, what I want to talk about with this first segment is... Christ, we're on the first segment. That when Jarmish constructs these worlds, he kind of constructs these, like, hermetic sort of fantasy versions of, of places that exist in real life. So, like, the Memphis of, of this film and the Patterson, New Jersey of Patterson are sort of semi-utopian... Uh, versions of these cities that really do exist and the way he depicts the sort of cross-racial divides in in this film and in patterson is very interesting um because without making a big deal about it he creates these scenes of sort of racial harmony and cooperation while also like creating this discord between like immigrants and Americans and entering into America as a hostile territory, which you can kind of encounter a little bit in the Italian widow story with uh, Tom Noonan in the diner. Terrifying. Very terrifying. Um, We'll get to that. But uh, bell hooks, the uh, intersectional feminist theorist bell hooks. I was waiting. uh, (laughs) I was waiting to see how long it would take to get to bell hooks. Yeah, uh, she uh, she brings up the the scene in Mystery Train in the very beginning uh, where uh, the black gentleman asks for a light for his cigar from the Japanese couple, and he sort of surprises them by saying arigato mm. uh, as sort of a moment of like sort of uh, both cross national and cross racial cooperation and mutual sort of uh, surprise and wonder. Beautiful. Second segment. <laughs> Second segment. Second segment. Now, okay, Tom Noonan. Oh yeah. Tom, Tom Noonan. Let's get to Tom it. Tom Noonan is um. What's the guy from Happiness? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh n- no, the pedophile. Uh, Dylan Baker. Dylan Baker and Tom Noonan. There's a whole subcategory of actor that always play like. They're too good creeps. at it. Yes, and and. They don't affect me in the films um, the way they're supposed to. They just make me, Justin, the person, sad for them, the actors. <laughs> yeah, because once you're too good at that, yeah, that, that's you for life. Tom Noonan, it, it, it was this. Uh, what was it? The, the Hannibal Lecter one? 
Anthony yeah, Hopkins. he was uh, Francis Dollarhide in mm-hmm. Manhunter. And Whoops. he was in an incredible episode of The X-Files. Uh, yes, Paper Hearts. Yes. I thought, you were, I thought you were also going to say Louie. He's in an incredible episode of Louie, speaking of rapists. Oh, I've never heard of Louie. Oh, okay. He's already uh, purged it from his woke little mind. I purged uh, it years ago. Uh, precociously woke Justin Totara. So anyway, the second, the second segment of Mystery Train is called A Ghost. Uh, it is about an Italian widow who, as we established in our little fan theory, uh, is probably the widow of Roberto Benigni's character in Down by Law. And she arrives due to a complicated layover in Memphis with her husband's casket. And as such, she needs to stay the night. Um, She starts by uh, yelling in Italian, presumably to a relative over the phone, trying to get back to Italy. Uh, And she gets swindled out of magazines by uh, um, uh, a store owner who sort of just tricks her into buying a bunch of magazines. She ends up at a diner with Tom Noonan uh, approaching her, telling her a obviously fake urban legendy story about how he picked up the ghost of Elvis. Uh, Presley. Elvis Presley, yeah. Not Elvis Weinstein from Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um, original voice of Tom Servo. <laughs> um, but he's obviously a creep. And when she gives him $20, and she even says, I, I'm going to give you $20 to go away, uh, he leaves, and as she's walking out, he starts to follow her. She ends up in the same motel as the Japanese couple with a very chatty uh, lady played by Lorraine Bracco's sister. Oh. Um, and they stay the night, and in the middle of the night, she sees the ghost of Elvis apparate slowly into the hotel room, in a very beautiful little scene. And Elvis is probably a lot more polite and apologetic around a, a pretty lady than he would have been in real life. Um, and then the ghost of Elvis disappears. End of segment. That's a good one. Yeah. It's a great one. Um, yeah, no. Uh, America is terrifying. Yeah. Uh, uh, we can presume that if this is the same story thread as Down by Law, that poor Roberto Benigni goes to New Orleans, gets hustled into a prison cell, uh, only to escape, find his unlikely uh, bride, and then die somehow, uh, presumably eaten by an alligator in the bayou, uh, or shot by an alligator at a 7-Eleven. Shot uh, by a a cartoon alligator. And... uh, yeah, no, America's terrifying. Uh, I check the news every day, and twice now in the past week, I checked BBC news, not even American news, and there's a story about a random person just being stabbed to death in the United States. First, it was Yeah, sp- that happened today. Uh, that, uh, there was a lady, 35-year-old in Washington, D.C., got murdered, uh, and then last week uh, we had a, a Spanish golfer just randomly murdered by a homeless guy on a golf course. This is a terrifying country, and... Uh, even more terrifying if you're a woman. Yeah. Like pretty pretty lady like this one. And I think it's kind of interesting that these two are next to each other, that we had the Japanese tourists having their kind of, like their primary conflict with was with one another. Uh, yeah. And then this lady who uh, is just sort of barely escaping mortal danger at every turn. 
maybe because she's alone maybe because, yeah uh, she knows enough english to be taken advantage of uh yeah she definitely uh she gets taken advantage of by the store owner convinced to buy all these magazines that she doesn't need and is hypnotized presumably by tom noonan's chest hair can we talk about that chest hair for a second sure and he is sweating you can see it what are you uh, drinking there tom oh this is uh this is our sponsor uh patty whiskey patty whiskey oh wow uh, it got me the the later segment with uh, all all the lads in the in the truck taking. Oh yeah, off when the they're bottle. drinking the the rot gut. This one's a uh, uh, a bummer. It's a little bit of a bummer. I think the Elvis yeah ghost is supposed to be sort of a a patch. It has something that I remark upon in real life, which is uh, the world is terrifying, especially for women. Yeah. And yet she never seems daunted. And right. then the moment of sorority between her and the, the, the woman who's running away from who we found out was Joe Strummer uh, is uh, so kind, even though she's so obnoxious and she's so she's so patient with everyone. Yeah. Uh, even Tom Noonan, uh, who, who he's credited as Creepy Joe. Um. Uh, it's beautiful. Segment three begins in a bar, maybe. Joe begins Strummer. in a bar, definitely, definitely. Joe Strummer. Z- people call him Elvis. Yes. Yes, they do. But he prefers Carl Perkins. He said, "You might as well call me Carl Perkins because he was better." There you go. But they call him Elvis because he has a dumb haircut. He does. Somebody take over. <laughs> uh, he's getting drunk at a bar. Uh, because, a bar. like me, he is he, unemployed. He's unemployed, and uh, I don't think he—I <laughs> don't think he knows yet that his uh, his woman, his wife, indeed, has has left him, and he's drinking with his uh, uh, worth noting uh, black friends at yeah. a black bar, and he is in a little pity well, puddle. Joe Strummer. And he's 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 got a gun, he's got a gun, and it's it's making everybody nervous. So uh, so they decide to get his uh, brother-in-law down there, uh, a little fella named by Steve Buscemi, and uh, try to talk some sense into him. And uh, they get him out of the bar and into a truck, where they go to an all-night liquor store, and uh, they come across a little uh, clerk who's being a bit of a racist. So Joe Strummer's solution is to murder him to death. Shoots him. <laughs> Shoots him. Uh, here's the thing about the clerk. The clerk is played by a gentleman named Rockets Red Glare. And this is a true thing. Uh, Rockets Red Glare. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up a picture of Rockets uh, when he wasn't in Mystery Train. Rockets Red Glare was uh, uh, bah, 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 Sid Vicious's bodyguard and drug dealer when Sid Vicious was in the United States. Uh, and he was the gentleman who delivered drugs to Sid and Nancy Spungen on the night that Nancy Spungen, uh, uh, mysteriously died. And it is theorized by at least one person that he was the murderer of Nancy Spungen for no particular reason that I know of. Interesting. 
Uh, th- this is Rocket's Red Glare near the end of his life. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah, no. Where and why did they find him to come and be in this? Yeah, that's... He, uh... he was a New York sort of staple, I think, because he was just everybody's drug dealer. Um, And if you were just sort of a filmmaker or an artist in New York, you kind of knew who he was. And uh, would he ask you to cast him or he would murder you like he did Nancy? <laughs> I think that's the idea. Um, well, I'm glad he was murdered for real in that scene in this movie. <laughs> it was yeah. him and uh, Bruce Lee's kid in The Crow are the only only people ever actually shot to death in a, in a movie. Yeah. True fact. Uh, <laughs> poor Rockets regular died in about 2001 of... Kidney failure, liver failure, hepatitis, cirrhosis, and something else. But he had a lot of diseases because he never stopped doing drugs or alcohol. Right on. Yeah. As you can tell by this picture of him, he was a picture of health. Uh, um, To describe the picture, he was a big, ugly, fat man. (laughs) (laughs) Who has a cane. Yes. The kind you might expect. (laughs) And a hat. Try and fit through a door with other fat men and have it not work. Don't do this, Tom. Uh, so stuff happens, yada yada. Steve Buscemi gets uh, shot in the leg. Uh, next segment. <laughs> um, in this segment, we have uh, them uh, drinking in the truck uh, with a yeah, lot the- of fade ins, fade outs. Very uh, Stranger Than Paradise. Yeah, this this segment sort of shows the limits of the cross-racial harmony. That's another picture of old Rockets. It looks like a literal whale. Yeah. Um, But yeah, this segment really shows the limits of the cross-racial harmony. The segment, by the way, is called Lost in Space. Uh, One of the the black characters' uh, character name is Will Robinson. Uh, And uh, Spike Lee's brother... Uh, greets him in the hotel with danger, danger, Will Robinson. Uh, and while Steve Buscemi and Joe Strummer and this gentleman are getting drunk in a hotel room, he says, that's how I feel around you snowflakes. Lost in space. So it's just one of those, it's a very interesting counterpoint to a lot of what the rest of the movie is doing, uh, which shows a lot of harmony and cooperation between people of different races and nationalities coming together in America. This kind of shows the limits of that. Yeah, uh, but it also shows a lot of the most of it. Um, it's, yeah. It shows the limits because it pushed it to the limit. It had the most cooperation on screen. Uh, we, we had uh, Elvis in, in, the, in the black bar. We had... Uh, we had Steve Buscemi uh, freaking out about having to go to a black neighborhood. Yeah, like a little bastard. And then uh, uh, them ultimately being given a room by a black run uh, hotel. Hotel. And uh, being allowed to hide out. Uh, yeah. Because so he is uh, Screaming Jay Hawkins' brother-in-law. That's right. But yeah, and the, the gunshot that unites the two segments is Steve Buscemi shooting himself in the leg. Much like Cheddar Bob in 8 Mile. 8 Mile <laughs> reference for all the kids out there. Yes, the kids. <laughs> the well, kids I, who are 30 years old. I say... Well done, Mr. Jarmish, on this great wonderful film. film. It's a great film. It's subtle. It, it is uh, earthy. It's uh, um, uh, it just a, a beautiful of, uh, piece of uh, work. 
it makes me always whenever I watch it, it makes me want to revisit that early rock music that I always kind of think I want to like more than I do. Yeah. Segway. <laughs> Speaking of early rock music, let's go 40 years, 50 years even into the future from when rock was invented. <laughs> and by 10 years before this movie. <laughs> and um, and another non-actor who's been in lots of things, Mr. Elvis Notab- Signor Castellani. Is his how, how, how did how did we not marry the segment because of Elvis? I uh, tried. Tom tried, but he was premature. Theme Much, music. Oh, okay. Hold on. Music, 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 music. Batman. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we have little triggers when you bull with your tongue little triggers this is gonna go on for a while. i don't want to be hung up strung up when this, you don't call this is this is the whole segment little sniggers <coughs> on your lips you're walking a tightrope little triggers i actually can't even hear tom because of my beauty face <laughs> yeah a common problem in my life. This year's model, Elvis Costello's 1979 uh, masterpiece, uh, is follow up to My Aim Is True. Um, uh, better album than My Aim Is True, I think. No, oh, definitely. Handily. I believe this is his first album fully officially with the attractions. That's correct. The pub rock band Clover uh, was the backing track for uh, for uh, My <laughs> Aim Is True. Uh, this I. So the the lens we're looking at this through, we're not going to sit here and just talking about how great uh, this year's model is. Everybody knows it's how pretty, great it's it is. It's pretty great. Uh, we are all three of us, I believe, uh, young <laughs> plaid lads who went through the plaid lad rite of passage of being younger than we are now and being so freaking into this year's model and it just like speaking to us at this uh, this level, like oh he he gets it, man. And uh, it just being a phenomenal record and wanting to listen back to it as older gents, but also in a later time and maybe look at some of the themes of the record and how it regards uh, romantic objects and women in general and seeing if it holds up. Uh, So, yeah, I'm going to let Justin go first because it seems like he's he's chomping verdict. It's problematic. (laughs) (laughs) See, I don't know about that. Explain yourself, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain myself right away. Uh, and I'm going to explain that in his biography from a couple of years ago, Elvis Costello Look indicated... Look at you coming in with facts. Yeah, uh, indicated that he wrote a lot of these songs from the perspective of a creep. Okay. Well, I don't think we need to discuss this anymore because listening to it, this uh, latest round, it's a great album musically. It's an incredible album. Uh, beautiful. Um, <laughs> but the way I was justifying it was if you look at it as a character. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a character. It's but I also think nice it still resonates character. a little bit. Uh, well, first of all, if we can just talk about literal resonance for a moment. Uh, this is my first time listening to this record. It's uh, thoroughly, purposely on, on nice speakers. Holy freaking cow. This is a freaking masterpiece. The dude was, what, 24 when this happened? 
Uh, obviously, this is the 70s uh, when musicians had to be musicians and the freaking attractions are ridiculously... One of the best bands that's ever existed. And I was really struck musically by uh, a weird thing, which is listening to El- early Elvis Costello. Uh, and I read in a uh, different Elvis Costello biography that uh, he was massively influenced uh, by his sort of Americana rock idols, and in particular Rick Danko of the band. And holy cow, is he like popping Rick Danko so hard. And the thing about this record is Elvis Costello made My Name is True, this record, and Armed Forces, and then just kind of, like, spun off into sort of, like, curiosity. He, he became less sort of like a like a current and relevant, like, uh, new wave He got punk a little weirder. Guy. And he became more like Tom Waits, just kind of doing his own thing, writing yeah. music in the, its own genres. Uh, okay, we have a Tom Waits freaking aficionado uh, in the room. Uh, but, and... Justin, do you not agree that he sounded like orphans, brawlers, and bastards on oh, his Jesus later records? Jesus Christ, eat a shit, you <laughs> bunk. But it was really weird listening to this record because uh, it was it was the punk thing. It was the late 70s. It was the punk new wave thing. And it was weird hearing- it's almost punk prog. In a way, it's my thing is like he's. I feel like Elvis Costello is very. He likes to take music and songwriting, uh, especially in the uh, Americana tradition, and he he looks at it over the long view. And like uh, it was weird hearing these sort of like classic R and B, Americana folk roots rock stuff being sped up by cocaine and punk rock recording ethic and 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 the intensity turned up to maximum uh it, it's really weird it's all of these songs could be slowed down into uh to ballads but here they've just been amped up on youth energy which i think was one of the most attractive things about it 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 holds up man and it sounds great uh we can argue about the lyrics here a little bit i think Partially, you have to take it as a a, a character, and but I, other I can fully accept that. Other partially, I think these are valid adolescent feelings. I don't think there's anything on this record that is particularly harmful, necessarily. Um, uh, I want to kind of kind of disagree. I don't think it's like um. Uh, this was a very important album to me when I was a youngster. Yeah, okay, that's something I want to ask here, because we're, we're all talking about how to use a character, but young us, the young us that fell in love with this record, essentially, didn't we buy it hunk, line, and oh, sink? Oh, for sure. It? Oh, 100%. I wouldn't want uh, a young kid listening to this if I didn't trust them to know. You know what I mean? This, this helped me wallow in a negative space too mm. much as a though though i don't think i fully understood it because i was handing this cd out to everyone to yeah boys to girls that's all i got it to girls so that they would talk to you yeah yeah yeah. um uh but like especially like now this is an the character is such an incel <laughs> i think he's definitely a little bit closer to what we would categorize as problematic uh, male behavior in 2018 than it was understood maybe in 1979. Should have known better. But, like I said, I I do think it is a character. I do Mm -hmm. think that it was not just uh, 
old Elvis Costello covering his bases when he said that uh, I wrote this character, I wrote the, a lot of these songs from the perspective of a kind of a pathetic creep. Well, the thing, um, the thing about Elvis Costello is that his name is Declan, Declan McManus, and that his yeah. whole persona is a character. But that's what, that's what just tastes so bad in 2018, that his, the character is an angry loser nerd. <laughs> Yeah, but I think that there should be a, a little bit of an outlet for angry, angry loser nerd feelings that are that is healthy. Yes, as long as the end point is stop doing it. Uh, so I mean, <laughs> what does it say? I used to have a poster of Elvis Costello on my wall, like the My Aim Is True poster, where he's standing there in his like little sport coat and his his anachronistic past skinny jeans playing as Fender jazz master being a weirdo. And I, at the time was a little, I was very influenced by his music and uh, craving that guitar and wanting to dress like that and being like, fuck yeah, I'm like Elvis Costello now completely oblivious to the irony that this was a character. Uh, (laughs) That he was making fun of you essentially. Yeah. The dick. (laughs) Yeah. I prefer his character. In 30 Rock. On Frasier. <laughs> oh, boy. Is that the segue? Do we have anything else to say? No, good Fuck record. Fuck this album, uh, Armed Forces is better. Out. No, it's not. You're, you're wrong. <laughs> good record. It still slaps. It sounds great. Shut the fuck up, Frank. Plaid lads love Frasier. Plaid lads love Frasier. We, uh, we just re- we're going to talk about every episode of Frasier. Every episode, starting with number one, The Good Son. Frasier Crane is home from Boston City, <laughs> New Jersey, <laughs> to start his own radio program uh, in his hometown <clears throat> of Seattle, Washington, but is recently disabled fathers being forced into his apartment to live with him. And then we've got a show Houston. Take it away. All right. So one there thing we I, go. I, I like about this and, and Frazier is amazing. Frazier is the best show. Frazier is the basis of all of our friendships without Frazier. We would be floating through space like so many, uh, uh, cellophane bags uh so uh yeah every everybody is who they are in this first episode and it's really amazing and no show does this so well uh the only person who's maybe a little far is martin although i kind of uh i disagree i think that's showing the character development for for martin crane that he's a little gruffer uh so wait, what do you <laughs> so wait hold on <laughs> you could probably hear that of justin saying talk faster and higher oh <laughs> uh, guys uh so uh and the other thing was that like daphne mood's voice was a lot more like of a ham-fisted mancunian accent when she laid it on a bit thicker i think i think this episode starts uh off uh this show um on a uh, a good foot every the character is there and um uh, except for Martin Crane, and then we got Daphne, and I was Frazier. I I'd like to reiterate a point that did not get lost in my recording, but probably got lost in the period that was lost here. Uh, is that if Martin Crane existed in 2018, I would want to push him down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Like you a, are oh, a fucking. He walks with a cane, you monster. Yeah, I know, and uh. That, that's exactly why I want to push him down the stairs because it would be so easy 
Uh, <laughs> uh, it would be like uh, this. Uh, no, no, that's uh, that's Wolverine pushing uh, pushing Xavier uh, down the steps. <laughs> that's how easy it would be to push Martin Crane down the stairs. So, uh, gentlemen, the last segment of every episode is going to be we briefly talk about her feelings. Oh, man. How are you feeling, Frank? Uh, so, as has been established a couple of times over the course of this podcast, uh, in between the first sort of episode uh, and this one, there was a little bit of employment change in one third of the Plaid Lats, and that has been probably a little bit more of a boon on my mood then could be reasonably understood because for listeners who are not familiar with the place in which the three of us previously were all three co-workers uh it's not a fun place you've been uh your mood has improved since uh uh, you no longer work there which i told yeah because i don't have to go work there at christmas anymore it's a cancer on my week i work there one day a week and it's enough to bring me down that's how i was feeling near the end uh, how, how, how am I feeling? Nobody asked. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> how you feeling, Tom? How are you feeling, Tom? I don't know. I, uh. Who are I, your guys? I don't get that reference. I don't listen to. It's w- Mark Marin. WTF. I don't listen to that guy much. Although I like what I've heard. I, I am a, a person who is capable of immense and total and uh completely all-encompassing despair i uh vacillate between uh uh hunger boredom and total misanthropy and same 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 uh, i have been researching which state has the lowest population density so i can move there but then i find a cute little house for eighty four thousand dollars in forks washington and i get so welled up with wonderlust and uh longing that i start misting up at work so you know uh you know feelings are feelings and we have them and i have a song called feelings in my band you should come watch all the shows by my record here's the thing about states with the most to least population density if if we're to concentrate on moving to places that are now have low population density i think in about mm, 20 to 30 years they're going to be the places with the most population density yo so the lowest contiguous state population density wise is wyoming so i said let me move there it's got lots of nature and yellowstone so i picked a random small town on google earth and i uh looked at the town and it was just a ramshackle collection of log cabins and trailer park trailers i said great the property values will be super low here so i go on zillow and they are fucking like three hundred thousand dollars oh yeah so uh there's no place to hide anymore except for forks washington where you can there's gonna uh, be no place to hide in about 20 or 30 years when we're all living in the last patch of habitable land in the contiguous united states new jersey New Jersey. Uh, I'm excited for when they're going to bring back feudalism, but it's going to be feudalism to tech companies. <laughs> Too late, am I right? Ju- Justin, you look like you want to die. Can we talk about that? Yes, we may. What questions do you have? <laughs> <laughs> what, what's going on, my friend? What's got you down the most? Um, just uh, chemical imbalances and such. I think I've discovered recently by listening to a podcast and somebody talking about it that I, I've been diagnosed before with uh, uh, severe major depression uh, with the possibility of uh, bipolar disorder, but they never got around to confirming that. 
I think yeah. I'm, I think I'm bipolar too. A thing that I've uh, I also I work at a library and I've been using my time working there googling um um obsessive thoughts. That's my latest thing that I realized. I have like obsessive thoughts. I should go back into therapy. Have you been obsessing? Yeah, about I should thoughts? too. Probably. We all let's go to the therapy together. Yeah, get a group rate. Uh, seeing as we're we're revealing all our pre-existing conditions, so that the healthcare okay, the healthcare industry is going to disqualify, <laughs> disqualify us from us. coverage. Well, my mine is kind of uh, it's it's not respected that much. I'm I'm a pretty solid. Uh, I'm a, like a slam dunk for dysthymia, mm. which is uh, a chronic low grade depression with with the charmingly named double depression, uh, uh, aka double whammy depression. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I was diagnosed with bipolar 2 many years ago now, uh, and I haven't taken medication for it in years, because let's ride the whirlwind, baby. Mm-hmm. Let's, <laughs> let's, let, let's fucking go. Let's do it. But that's the thing. That's the thing. Everything sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's no longer that our brains are lying to us about the state of things. The state of things are just bad. Yes. I think that makes us kind of like soothsayers. We, oh we, yeah, we're, we're prophets. <laughs> we were feeling it before it happened. Yeah, that's, that's one thing. It's like, uh, it's, it's, maybe it's a bit irrational in its construction, but like I would have to be a student of the entirety of human history to contextualize recent events in a way that makes them seem not profoundly and completely hopeless. Oh Uh, my God. There's, there's sure there's my personal life, which is, uh, uh, a garbage fire but uh, uh my not personal life uh public life living in the world is enough to make me want to buy a uh three hundred thousand dollar house in wyoming and uh never speak to anyone again justin seems like the one of the two in the room right now who's in the most need of immediate medical attention but <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean i'm fine <laughs> i'm doing great I'm doing well. I'm doing swell. We are the plan, lads. And we won't give up without a plan, lads. Okay. <laughs> how, how did that feel? Pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> guys i'm gonna cut on the episode yeah, yeah cut cut this we're just wait, 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 we off to say bye i've been justin i've been, I've Tom. been frank we've been Tom the Plaid lads i Tom, love you tom didn't say his name <laughs> i said my name tom said his name oh okay okay that is tom you're frank this is frank Justin's here. (laughs) Goodbye. I love you. I don't.